maybe things that, you know, that we didn't do that, okay, let's, let's put that on the list to tackle this year. And, uh, you know, sometimes some, rev you know, resolutions that we make, sometimes we're successful. And then a lot of times it's just well-meaning, good intentions, and just don't have the follow-through. And I just want to put this plug in when it comes to carrying out a task or a goal. The why question is going to be the one that is going to see you through. Because if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you're going to fall off the wagon pretty quick. If you don't have an intended goal in mind and, and a why behind why you do what you do, why you are pursuing what you are pursuing, there's not enough driving force to keep you moving. So I encourage you as we move forward in this message today, ask the why question. Why do I want to do this? You know, because that, that is really going to be the catalyst for your success. Um, but, you know, I, I think about the new year and, and just this opportunity and, and just hitting this one-year mark for us here, you know, humble beginnings and, you know, going from once-a-month services to back in September, I think we jumped up to two and, and things have just been moving forward since and so excited about what God has in store for this year. And I believe that God is wanting to give us a reboot. He's wanting to give us a restart. You know, you know, sometimes on your computer you want to hit that refresh button. But sometimes you just got to shut it off and, and, st and start that thing up again. Sometimes that's what we need to do in life. That maybe our, our, our data and our stuff on our so-called computer is on overload. And it's like we got to clean house. We got we to gotta put all of that stuff on a external hard drive and, and sometimes we need to allow the Lord to come in and, and rearrange our mental furniture and uh, I don't know what it is but I've had conversations with people lately about time management and why is it that some people we all have the same how did he keep that on uh, it keeps turning off on me um, that's my techie girl over here I, we wouldn't even have Facebook if it wasn't for her <laughs> But everybody has the same 24 hours in a day, but yet you look at their, their life, and it's like some people are so productive with the time that they have, which, by the way, we all have the same time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 30 days in a month, 365 days in a year, but yet some people are so productive while others are so counterproductive. Why is that? And I really believe that God wants us to be good stewards over time because time is precious. And the older that we get, we realize that we don't get that time back. And thank God with God, he can redeem the time. And what I believe what he means by redeeming the time, you're not necessarily going to get more years added on, but he is going to accomplish more in your life in less time. So what took 20 years for somebody to accomplish in past decades, he can accomplish in your life in five years or four years or three years. And this is called supernatural acceleration. And this is something that God is going to be doing in these last days because there's a lot of work that needs to be done in a short period of time. So it is critical that, 
that everything that he wants to be have accomplished be condensed down and fulfilled quickly. And so that's what God is wanting to do in your life. That's what God is wanting to do in our churches. This is God's house. He's building his church. He's advancing the kingdom of God, and he's wanting to do a work speedily. But it's so critical that we take the time that we have and be good stewards over it. If you want to accomplish more in less time, be a good steward over the time that you have. You know, I've talked to people that say, man, I just don't have enough time, and uh, I'll give a, a shout-out to Jordan. But really the, the question is, it's not you don't have enough time. It's just not a priority in your life. Let's just be honest. If you're saying I don't have time for it, you're just saying it's not really that important to me. Because I assure you things that are a priority in your life, you will shift stuff to the side. You will get stuff off of your plate that doesn't need to be there and say, this is a priority. This is a necessity. These are things in my life that God wants to accomplish. But if I am all cluttered up with all this junk, it's going to weigh me down and stagger me from my destiny and actually prolong what God is wanting to do in my life and in yours. So it's key that we look at our plate and evaluate. I'm a poet and didn't even know it, Joe. <laughs> look at your plate and evaluate. You might want to tweet that, young people. <laughs> look at that plate and evaluate. What do you got on that plate? Do you got a bunch of stuff on there that don't need to be on there? I tell you what, God is not looking for busy. He's looking for productive. He's looking for fruitful. I'm preaching. He wants us to be fruitful, not busy. We got enough busy bodies out there that got stuff on their plate that God never put on that plate. And they're wondering why they're burning out and they're bogged down and they're wore out and they're frustrated with life. And they're looking at things like, man, I'm going to be lucky to stagger across the finish line at the end of this life. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. All who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and find rest. He wants you to have rest for your soul. Even when you're out there at work on your job or at, at home, you know, rearing your kids. And, and it seems like, you know, things are busy, things are chaotic. Yet you can still have a sense of rest on the inside. You can still have God's perfect peace, which surpasses and transcends all understanding. That's the beautiful thing about the things of God when it comes to joy. He says, you know, th that he's the prince of peace. He, he is our joy. He is the joy of our salvation. But it is time for us in this new year to take inventory. To take inventory of our lives and say, okay, Lord, what things can I do without so that I can be fruitful and not just busy? Because busy ain't going to get it done. Busy is like the hamster on the wheel. He's exuding a lot of energy, but he's not going anywhere. There's a lot of people out there that are sweating and, and wore out and stressed out, and they, they got nothing to show for it. But yet when you can learn to rest in God and let him do the heavy lifting and say, God, is there things in my life that I need to say no to? One of the most important words you need to learn is no. Some people can get so wrapped into saying yes that they are getting stretched every which direction. 
and they were being spread thin. Man, I'm way off, but I guess this is needs to be said. And so people are being spread thin. God so desperately needs you to be fruitful and productive and needs you to stay in your lane. Because we all have our own individual lane. We all have our unique giftings and callings, yet we're all heading parallel in the same direction. We just have different assignments. And so you need to get before the Lord in this new year and say, Lord, what are my assignments? What is my purpose? Why am I here on the earth? And I tell you what, he is so yearning and desiring to show you and unveil those things to you. I think it says in, in, in 1 John that I got an unction from the Holy One or the Holy Spirit, and he shows me things to come. Why does he show us things to come? So that we can prepare for it, so that we can be ready. You know, we don't want to be like the ten virgins and, and, and five of them going out and being ill-repaired, ill-prepared, and not having the oil in their lamps and not being ready for the bridegroom. Jesus is coming again, and we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to get in our place in the body of Christ and not just be floundering about. I don't know about you, but my driving force, the catalyst for why I do what I do is to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I don't want the Lord to look at me and say, well, you're here, but what did you do in the earth? Did you do what I called you to do? I don't want him to have to play the tape up in heaven and show me what could have been, what might have been. I, I think that that could be more devastating than anything else, and I believe that will be that time where there will be weeping and shedding of tears, and then Jesus after that is going to come and wipe them away, and there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more tears. But I tell you what, we have but a vapor here on the earth, and it's going to count for all eternity. And the only thing that really matters in this life, and I, I got a checkup from the neck up today, and as much as I dislike it in the flesh, uh, the Lord speaks through my wife quite sternly sometimes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> where's your heart at in this thing? Why do you do, why do you want to do that? Back to the why question. Why do you do what you do? Because the motivation behind what you do is going to determine if you get rewards, if you get blessings, if you walk in God's best for your life. See, even Jesus said with the, with the, with the Pharisees, you, you, you praise me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And he came down hard on the religious people. But yet those people out on the streets that, you know, would be castaways. And that's why I always say never judge a book by its cover. You know, sometimes we can be so quick to judge. But Jesus is the only true judge. He says if you judge, you're only heaping judgment on yourself. If you're pointing the finger, you got three more pointing back at you. So I just soon judge myself that I not be judged, examine my own life, make the adjustments so that I don't have to go through unnecessary hardships. You know, I, I liken it this way. Why does bad things happen to good people? I don't even know if I'm going to get to my notes, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but why 
does bad things happen to good people? Well, bottom line, number one, we live on an earth with a curse. And Satan is the little G, the God of this world, who goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let me assure you right now that God is always good. And it is summed up in one scripture in John 10.10. It is the thief that cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then the Amplified goes on to say, till it overflows. So if you had any question in your mind who the adversary is, his name is Satan and his little minions. And then our flesh, you know, our, our flesh in this body, in this earth suit, you know, can be tempted. You know, Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why it is so critical that we get the word of God in our hearts. Proverbs says, hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. I hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. It is the word of God and the word alone that is going to be our anchor, that is going to keep us, that is going to sustain us, that is going to keep us away from the evil one. I think about this, you know, and, and I love the analogy of uh, somebody holding up an umbrella and how appropriate with the crazy weather we've had the last few weeks with the snow and the the flash flooding and we went to a doctor's appointment last night and saw somebody getting off the freeway and, and I saw walls of water shooting up it's like 10 feet up in the air it's like dang you got a snorkel on that thing I mean you better have your flippers you know because it's it's coming down or your rowboat or whatever we like kayaking well she, maybe she can get her blow up paddle board she can get out there and do that but uh where was I going there Help me out. Thank you. But the umbrella. God's holding the umbrella up, and it's raining out. And he's saying, come to me. Remember? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He's saying, come to me. I, I, I envision him. Don't deny the children. Let them come to me. He, he wants relationship. That's the difference between Christianity and other religions is it is a, it is a relationship-based deal. And it's not based on your performance, only on the grace of God. I was thinking of in Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace we're saved, by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's only by the grace of God and what Jesus did on the cross. That is the only difference between us and the person on the street. And so that is what is so powerful that he made provision. He knew that we were going to sin. He knew that we were going to miss the mark. And before the foundation of the world, he knew that his son was going to be crucified on our behalf. Because the Bible says without the, remission, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So it is the perfect spotless blood of the lamb that washes over us when we receive Christ. And that powerful blood is just as active and flowing today as it ever was. All we got to do is call upon the name of Jesus. All we got to do is say, Lord, I missed the mark. I got stupid today. I got sideways today. Lord, forgive me. And just like that, he washes you. As far as the east is from the west, he casts your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. He, uh, Paul said in Romans 8 verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. So if we are going after God with all of our hearts, I like to say it this way, and I, I, I preach this, I say this a lot. With God, it's not about perfection, but it's about progress. Just simply putting one foot in front of the other. And sometimes it's just one day at a time. One day at a time. Paul said, if it wasn't for the, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. And only by that grace. The Lord gave me a scripture that that I believe is very prophetic. Um, coming from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Um, shoot, I didn't write what translation, but I think it might be the Amplified. But Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, it says, Do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And know it will, and know it. Do you not perceive it and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now we could just camp out here for a minute. He's saying earnestly, diligently, intentionally. Say, I'm going to forget. I'm going to not remember the things of old. I'm going to forget about the past. Because this is one of the enemy's greatest tactics, is getting people of God to dwell on and to live in the past. And if you can live, if he can get you into that place, he can trap you. Why? Because you cannot change the past. It is water under the bridge. But the prophet Isaiah here is saying, because he understands the importance of this, that if we are living in the past, we cannot move forward into the present. We cannot enjoy this day. And we certainly can't forge ahead into our future. Because we are living life in the rear view. We are living life in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. We are living life in regret. And we're allowing the enemy to speak lies to us about mistakes and failures and shortcomings and sins and things, you know, whatever it could have been from, uh, I mean, you name it, anything that you could have gone through that is causing brokenness in your life. And you're saying, man, I wish I had a do-over for that. Whether it's a, you know, a, a, a broken relationship or whether it's um, just your lack of peace, lack of joy, lack of God in your life. And you feel like you've gone astray and you have no peace. And rather than pursuing God, the Prince of Peace, you're grappling after the wind. You're trying to just snatch anything that might come your way. You might just say, maybe that drink can just take the edge off. Because my heart is suffering, my heart is broken, and I, I just, I just, I, I, I'm afraid to live, but I'm afraid to die. And you're just in this place of limbo because the enemy has a, you've given him a foothold, you've given him a snare in your life 
from looking to past experience. When Jesus is saying that is under the blood, that is in the past, that doesn't even exist anymore. And he's already forgiven you if you've asked for it. Repentance is an amazing gift. Religion makes it sound like a naughty word. But repentance is a key. This is good. Repentance is the key that opens the door and gives you access to the throne room of God. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that veil that was thick, I don't have the numbers on me, but that thing was thick. And that thing was torn from top to bottom. And no longer do we have to go to a priest to have an encounter with God, but we can enter as a child of God boldly into the throne room of grace, knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that we are redeemed, knowing that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb, knowing that there is no shame, there is no guilt, there is no condemnation, but I can come and sit up in my daddy's lap and he can love on you. Religion paints this terrible picture of God. See, religion is works-based. If you can just work a little bit harder, if you can just do a little bit more, man, if I could just get my act together, if I could just read my Bible a little bit more often, if I could just, you know, be a little bit more fervent in my prayers. And we get over into this works mentality. But Jesus said if you get into a works mentality, you are no longer under grace but under the law. The law is death, but it's the grace of God that brings freedom and peace. It's the grace of God that will lift you up out of the pit. God's grace in the New Testament, primary definition is God's divine empowerment. It's his, I like to put it this way, and, and, and John Bevere put it this way, he's my boy. Um, I got to meet him down in Tulsa, my favorite minister. But he said God's Grace is his supernatural ability that goes beyond our natural ability. So many of us are frustrated with our Christian faith because we're trying to do supernatural things naturally. We're trying to do things in our strength. See, I couldn't be up here right now if it wasn't for the grace and the call of God on my life. I wouldn't be up here right now if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit giving me unction and inspiration. We could probably turn that off if because the teacher's here and he's ministering. It is the grace of God that equips us to do what he's called you to do. See, Jesus said the things that are impossible with men is possible with God. Apart from God, I can do nothing, but thank God I'm not without him. He's in me. He's with me. He's for me. He, go, he goes in front of me. He's my rear guard behind me. And he surrounds me. And so we, he, Jesus, when he ascended on high to the right hand of the Father, and he ain't just taking a vacation up there. Jesus' ministry today says that he is interceding on our behalf. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He's up there praying for you. He's up there interceding for you. He's up there believing with you. He's up there moving on your behalf. When your prayers 
of faith go up to heaven. They're a sweet-smelling aroma unto God. And he says, yes, daughter, yes, son, I hear your prayer. I know that you are asking in faith. And whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It's a relationship. It is amazing how we can see Matthew 6.33. We get that verse in reverse. We try to practice it in reverse. See, it says in Matthew 6.33 that we are to seek first the kingdom of God or the plans and purposes of God for our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and then all of these other things in your life, I'll add to you. In other words, when we take care of God's business, he'll take care of ours. But the thing is, is we're trying to take care of our own business in our own strength, and our, and our strength is failing. We are frail beings without the power of God. We are frail. We are weak. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 10 through 12, I think it is, that, that <clears throat> Paul is wrestling, and he's doing the work of the Lord, and he's got this, this, this thorn in the flesh, and he's struggling, and he's, he's experiencing trials and hardships and difficulties as he's going after God's work for his life to preach the gospel to all the unknown world, to write two-thirds of this New Testament. But yet, it says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, that a messenger of Satan was sent to him to buffet him, a thorn in the flesh, to try to keep him, to try to knock him down, to try to take him out of the race, to try to keep him discouraged and down and out. And, and, and Paul is pleading with God, just take this affliction, take this pain away from me so that I can do what you've called me to do. And he said, you know what, son? My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, <clears throat> back to what that grace is, it is a divine empowerment. It is God's supernatural ability being infused in you to flow through you to do what you cannot do in your own strength. Jesus told him, my grace or my strength in you is more than enough to get the job done. And then he goes on to stay, and this is good news. When we think about our weaknesses and our frailties and our shortcomings and our sins, and when we allow the enemy to come in and cause us to feel unworthy or unqualified for what God's called us to do, I think about that verse and what Jesus said to Paul and got that revelation that my strength, son, is perfected in your weakness. In other words, God's strength and power works best in our frailties, works best in our insecurities, works best in our inadequacies where we seem to be deficient. Have you ever felt deficient? Like, I, I just don't have enough to get the job done. I'm just not qualified to do this. God does not call those who are equipped. He equips those that he calls. He gives you the spiritual equipment because he's a just God. He's a good God and would never ask you to do something that he wouldn't give you the power and ability to accomplish. Come on, I'm, I'm getting it here. 
So we get natural goals that we set from diet and exercise to eating right, you know. Yeah. <coughs> but it's time that we get before the Lord and realize, as I said in Matthew 6.33, when we start seeking God diligently, you know, he said in, in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6, that those who diligently seek me will find me. Not those that casu casually, haphazardly, when it's convenient, when I feel like it, then maybe I'll come before the throne. No, he's, he's interested in those that are in diligent pursuit. There is a God side and a man side to this equation. And so oftentimes we just want to throw everything on God and say, Lord, you take care of it. But it says, uh, I got the verse down here somewhere, but we are co-laborers together with God. The Holy Spirit is not our slave. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our advocate. He's our intercessor. I like this one. He's our strengthener. He's our standby. He's our ever-present help in the time of need. He is the greater one on the inside. As First uh, John 4, 4 says, greater is he, the Holy Spirit in me, than he, Satan, that's in the world. Victory is ours because the battle is the Lord's. And Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You know, just like physical fitness and resistance training, same is true spiritually. We've got to work our faith muscles. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by God's word. So his word is fuel for our faith. It's going to ignite our faith. It's going to stir our faith. It's going to build our faith. <clears throat> but we'll get into it in a, in a second here, how to release it. But a quick story on how powerful the word of God is. Kenneth Hagin, the, the, the father of our pastor down in, in Oklahoma at Rhema Bible College, Bible Church, <clears throat> his dad told this story about <clears throat> a message that he taught on God's medicine. And he was talking to a fellow pastor. And he was saying, would you please come and see this lady in my church? She's, she's got stage four terminal cancer. She loves God, but she's right, right on the edge. <clears throat> and the Lord spoke to him and said, go and visit her every day while you're in town. And back in those days, he'd go to churches and speak for like six, eight weeks at a time. And he was going every day. <clears throat> and he would give her a, a sermon here and a sermon there. And this is what I want to hit home here. The Lord told him, don't give her just random messages, but give her something specific that pertains to her need. So oftentimes we get into the word of God and just said, mm, where am I going today? Let's get in Leviticus. Oh, Lord, this is getting graphic. You know, they're slaying animals and, you know, killing babies and, you know. We need to get into the word where it pertains to our need. This is critical. We need to get specific with God. If we want specific results and specific answers, we need to fuel our faith in the word of God in that area concerning what it says, what God promises. You know, when it comes to healing, we, we got enough scriptures on that. 
And if you need them, I can get them to you. And we got to feed on that. We got to fuel our faith in that area. If you need healing, feed on the word on healing. You need to start picturing in your through the sp- eyes of faith, seeing yourself now well, seeing yourself whole. If you couldn't walk, you see yourself walking. If you couldn't, you see yourself dancing. You see yourself, whatever you couldn't do before and you're needing a breakthrough in that area, begin to picture in your mind's eye through the spirit of faith. See it now. See it through the eyes of faith and then begin to speak it out of your mouth. And as you speak it out of your mouth, your faith is being released on that thing and God can go to work on your behalf. But when you are coming to him, haphazardly in your prayers, he's saying, you're shooting all over the place. You need to take your bow and arrow and find the bullseye and aim at that target with the word of God and what God's word says on the subject and hit that thing. Hit the target. Hit the mark. He's made it available. But if we're just haphazardly flipping through this thing, we're not going to get answers. We're not going to step into what God has for us in this year. It ain't going to just fall on us like ripe cherries off a tree. We got to go after it. We have a role to play. So get in the word in your area of need and think of that bow and arrow going towards the bullseye, being very specific, being very intentional. So rather than him just giving her random sermons to encourage her, sometimes we hear sermons and, and think, you know, we got a little sweat on our shirt, and man, that was good. But did it really change you? Did it give you some practical handles to lay hold of when you leave this place? And so many times, you know, through the years I've been in church, I can't even believe it now. It doesn't seem that long, but 18 years now, I think. And I remember, especially in the early years, I've gotten better, but coming out of church, man, that was good. Well, what was it about? Oh, I can't remember, but it was sure good preaching. Well, how is that going to help me out out there? But when we get intentional about the word of God, we become strategic. God wants us to become strategic. Uh, James talks about that we can't be tossed to and fro. We can't ask amiss, but we can't and we can't be double minded. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But get it settled in your heart once and for all that God's word says it. I believe it. That settles it. In spite of what I'm facing, in spite of what I'm going through, God's word is truth. And it is eternal. Facts are facts. But facts are subject to change. And when you apply the truth to the facts, the facts will change. But you have to be intentional. I think about identity, and I'll probably close with this. So, so what he did here, rather than just giving her sermons, the Lord told him, give her your sermon teaching on God's medicine, which was teaching on healing, divine healing, healing scriptures, and just allowing her spirit to bathe in the word of God in the area of healing. Because how many know this lady ain't got time to waste? It's time to it's time to get this word ingrained in her. So what that pastor did, he took his teaching on God's medicine. 
And faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing some more. And when you're sick of hearing it, you haven't heard it enough. Hear it again. Why? Because we have we mentally ascend to so much, but mental ascension will not get the job done. Mental um, <coughs> uh, understanding is not going to produce results, but it is heart revelation when it goes from here and finally drops down here. That's when things are going to manifest. But you need to see it now. Faith is now. Jesus already did it 2,000 years ago. We got to see ourselves the way that God sees us. So over a course of weeks, she kept listening to God's medicine, hearing the word of God concerning healing. And within a few short weeks, in stage four cancer, that lady walked out of there with a clean bill of health healed and whole. Why? Because she allowed the word of God to take root in her heart, which caused faith to rise up. And that faith laid hold of what Jesus already provided. And he said, bam, it's right there. It's in my hand. I'm not closed fisted. I'm both willing and able. I'm not withholding any good thing from you. It's out there. But everything we receive from God is through faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So she kept hearing that word. So we need to give the word time to work in us. Don't di- get discouraged if you're doing it for a week and you don't see things happening. I love that worship song that we play so often. Even when I don't see it working, even when I don't feel it working, even when I don't think things are changing, God is moving behind the scenes. God is moving on my behalf. He's doing business. He's, he's, he hasn't forgotten about me. He's numbered every hair on my head. He's the, I am the apple of his eye. As it says here, I am a child of God. I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I am forgiven. I am saved by grace through faith. I am justified. I am a new creation. I am redeemed. I am delivered from the powers of darkness. I am a child of God. I'm getting all my needs met by Jesus. I'm kept in safety wherever I go. Back to the umbrella. He's holding up the umbrella. The rain's coming down. He's saying, if if you abide in me and my word abides in you, John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me will produce much fruit. But if we become detached from the vine, the life is in the vine. The life is in the blood. And so when we detach ourselves, we're like a dead branch on the ground. But when we stay vitally united and connected to our God, that life can begin to flow. That healing can begin to flow. That peace can begin to come back to you again. And that torment and that fear can leave. And faith can well up in your heart. But what happens is we want to do things on our own. I want to do it my way. Why do bad things happen to good people? They walk away from God. They step out from under his umbrella. Jesus is our strong tower and our shelter from the storm. And so when we abide in him, he can protect us. He can keep us. But yet when we step out, now we're under the curse again. And we're giving access to the enemy to run roughshod over us. But when we stay abiding in the vine, we're protected. I got so many scriptures here on paper. We are heirs 
of our Father God and joint heirs with Christ. We're citizens of heaven. I mean, this is this is exciting. But it takes time. We got to put the word in. Goodness gracious. All right, I'm going to read this last scripture, I swear. I swear to you, I didn't even get to my notes. But if I but I've been quoting scripture left and right. But <clears throat> But Philippians 3, 12 through 14, God is wanting to do a new thing. Remember our, our opening scripture? And he was saying, if I'm going to do a new thing, we got to forget some things. And he told me specifically that there's some people here tonight that aren't going to step into new things until they let go of some old things. Jesus said you can't put new wine in old wineskins or they'll burst. Why? Because those old wineskins are brittle. And they can't contain it. But the Holy Spirit is a representation of that wine. And he's wanting to fill you up. But if you are contaminated by the world, you are like those old wineskins. And you can't, you can't contain everything that God has for you. But when we get washed in the blood, when we get in the presence and the oil of the Holy Spirit, he can be like the oil that makes that wineskin pliable flexible so that he can fill you and he can stretch you and he can grow you and he can take you to new levels in him from faith to faith to glory to glory we got to forget paul says philippians 12 through 14 in the new king james not that i've already attained or am already perfected once again we haven't arrived but we are pursuing god it's not about perfection it's about progress it's about putting our trust in what Jesus did. It's not about what we've done wrong, but it's about trusting in what he did right. Jesus said, I didn't come for those who think they are righteous, but those who are in need of a physician, those who are sick. <clears throat> so Paul says, not that I'm perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And he says, but one thing I do. I think when he says that, we might want to take heed to that. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, cutting those things loose, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> so it's time to break camp. It's time to walk out of the wilderness. And go forward with God into what he has for us. Forgetting those things which are behind. We're we may be in the wilderness. We're walking through it though. We don't have to camp out there. We don't have to live there. We're just passing through. Let's, let's bow our heads. You know I could preach for another hour. But we'll, we'll shut it down. So Father right now. We thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, we worship you. Just lift your hands up to heaven for a minute. Just begin to, in your own way, just, just thank him for his goodness in your life. He says, it's time to magnify me and not your problems. He says, 
as you magnify your problems, you are turning molehills into mountains in your life. He's wanting to remove those mountains. He's wanting to remove those molehills. He's wanting you to forge ahead with him. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forward, looking unto Jesus, the author, the developer, and the perfecter of our faith. You may feel like tonight up to this point, you're not where you should be. You're saying, Terry, man, you know, I wish I was further along. I tell you what, you get on board with God today, he can get you where he wants you to go. He can cause that supernatural acceleration to take place in your life. You might be saying, Terry, I've wasted so much of my life. God's saying, that's okay. By my grace, I can make up for it. But trust in me. Lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge me and I will direct your path. Order your steps. Show you things to come. Lead you and guide you into all truth. All he's asking for is a resounding yes. The prophet Isaiah said in another verse, Here I am, Lord. Send me. All he's asking for is yes. Yes, I will, like that song was saying. Yes, I will, Lord. Your will be done. I'm tired of doing life in my own strength. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would sweep over this place and that the grace of God be multiplied <clears throat> unto each and every person and that they would call upon that grace. Father, that, that that grace would empower them, energize them, equip them to live the supernatural life. And the Lord's saying, as you step into that supernatural life, I will be the wind beneath your wings. I will be the wind in your sails. Where it seems like you were swimming up current and making no progress, the Holy Spirit is saying, I will breathe that wind into your sails. I will be that wind beneath your wings and cause you to soar, and you will now become fruitful. You will now become productive, and rather than laboring and toiling and struggling, there's going to be a sense of ease in doing what God has called you to do. Call upon His grace. Call upon His name. Some of the most powerful words we could ever say is, I don't know, but you do. I don't got it, but I know you got it. Lord, help me, because I can't help myself. Father, I thank you that there's a supernatural grace. You said you will give the Holy Spirit liberally to he who asks. Lord, I just thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit fresh and anew over each and every person tonight.
that there is a, a bubbling springing up on the inside of them where the presence of God was elusive, where the presence of God seemed distant. He said, I have been here all along. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So Father, my prayer right now is that we would be diligent seekers of your presence. Father, I thank you now for your goodness. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're working on hearts even right now as I speak. And if you're here tonight and you're saying, Terry, you know, I maybe been in church, I maybe kind of been in religious circles. That ain't what it's about. That's a bunch of garbage. It's only about Jesus. It's only about simply accepting what he did for you. If you're saying, Terry, and I've made Jesus Lord of my life, today's your day. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Receive the now. Or you're saying, Terry, I gotta, I gotta just reconnect with the Lord. I feel like I've just been disconnected. Just like with the prodigal son, when he came to his senses and came home, he said, if I could just be a servant in my father's house. But his father, what? He ran out there to meet him with the robe in hand, with the ring. He put the sandals on him, the robe and the ring on his finger and said, my, my son was lost, but now he's found. He's saying, come home. If that's you, just lift your hand up to heaven. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I see your hands. God sees your heart. Well, let's pray this prayer with him, guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he died for me. And I receive him now. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Robe me in your righteousness and make me a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You're in charge, sir. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, isn't God good? I feel so good right now. <laughs> Oh. oh, well, let's just give the Lord one more shout. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. You are good. You are faithful. You are awesome. You are worthy. And I just declare over those that you haven't seen him working, you haven't seen him moving, begin to see it through the eyes of faith. Begin to see it in your mind's eye, the end result. Begin to get in the word in that area. Take your Take your bow and arrow and be intentional so you can hit that bullseye, so that you can lay hold of that promise, so that you can experience God's best in your life. 
And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen.